Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. It's always great to see everybody here. Let me get set up here. Let me open with prayer. Eternal Father, I just uh, give you thanks and praise for this Shabbat. Uh, please uh, bless the words that I'm going to speak. Bless the hearing. Uh, let there be no offense of anyone. And just uh, let your spirit be upon us and guide us and direct us in all things. We give you thanks and praise and all the glory in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So we're in the days of Elul, as uh, Dan said earlier today. Uh, and this is a time, this is a season of Teshuvah, right? And we're, we're under a lot of pressure as believers right now, right? But I have good news for you today that a world without evil is coming. And I'm going to go through where we are today, where we're going to be tomorrow, and how we're going to get to that world without evil. So bear with me, I have a lot to go through today. Um, so take notes, take pictures, this message will be up probably within a few days and you can uh, review it again. So forgive me if I speak too fast, hopefully our translator can uh, keep up. But, you know, brethren, we are living in dangerous times. The next slide there. You know, we have this global pandemic, we got economic instability, we got rise of a tyrannical socialist communist ideology permeating throughout all of our society and throughout the whole world. We have immorality becoming the norm in many societies. We got laws being passed to classify those who speak out against sin using this book as racist. We have the, you know, the agenda is to remove God from our society and to keep us enclosed so that we can't meet, that we can't get together. But I say right now in the name of Yeshua claiming Psalm 91 that I refuse to participate in this. I refuse to participate in this plague anymore. And I refuse to participate in the people who are trying to control us and trying to keep us down and keep us and control us how we're supposed to act and where we can go and what we can do, what we can eat, what we have to wear, what we don't have to wear. Because we serve a high God. We serve the creator of heaven and earth. Amen? Amen. Next slide there, Jill. So persecutions are at historic levels. You probably, I don't know if you can see this very good, but we have about 50 countries that Open Doors has put together that where persecutions are at very, very high levels. And you've, you've been watching the news. You've been seeing what's going on over in Portland, Seattle, Milwaukee, all these different uh, cities within our own country and how they're trying to create chaos and riots and to make us bow down to them and... It's just the beginning. What you're seeing right now is our time of testing. It's just a birth pang on what's going to happen in the years to come. This is just a tryout. This is just a globalist trying things out to see how easy it is to be able to control us and to shut down God's plan. You know, Satan's angry. You know, he's got a plan too. God has a plan and we've read the plan. The plan is in this book. But Satan has a plan too, and he's always thinking 
that he can usurp God's authority, that he can set himself up as God upon the earth and have everyone worship and bow down to him. Well, sorry to say, but it's not going to turn out the way that he anticipates that it's going to turn out. But just like when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, right? They were tested. And what did Moses say to Israel, to the Israelites? He says, when, when they were complaining about water, they were complaining about manna, they were complaining about food, they wanted quail. They complained and complained and complained. And what did God say to them? What through Moses, he says, God is testing us, you, to see if you will obey his commands or not with all your heart, soul, and mind. So God is bringing these plagues, these economic times upon us because he's testing us. You know, Yeshua right now is separating the wheat from the chaff, okay? And we know what happens to the chaff. It gets burned up in the end. But then he gathers the wheat into his barn. And we want to be that wheat, right? We want to be the people who are gathered into the barn. Now, this year has been bad. You know, 2020 has been a terrible year. We've lost a lot of loved ones. We've lost a lot of brethren here that used to congregate with us. And I say praise God because they are safe and secure. Their souls are safe and they will be among us and we will see them again at the resurrection. I just lost a good friend of mine, a pastor over in the Philippines who was congregating one of our congregations there three weeks ago, had a heart attack, passed away. And it's sad. Now we have a congregation in the Philippines with no shepherd. And we're trying to minister to them and encourage the brethren there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been a hard, hard year. But, you know, persecutions will continue. From imprisonment to torture to beheadings, more Christians and Jews worldwide live in fear for their lives today than in any other time in modern era. Religious persecution reached historic levels in 2019. We don't even hear about what's really going on over in, in China and over in the other nations of the world where people are killed routinely for preaching their faith. And, you know, there's a hundred million Christians around the world facing possible dire consequences for merely practicing their religion. And it's, you know, Yeshua warned us about these times, didn't he? You know, we come in here, we, we, we worship, we dance, we eat, we have fun, we go out and, you know, we, we take part in whatever we would like to do. But Yeshua warned us over and over again that these days were coming and they're here. They're here right now. Don't think the world is going to go back to normal. You know, even after the election, say Donald Trump gets reelected and there's probably going to be riots in every city if he does and he'll squash it down. But I'm telling you right now, it's not ever going to go back to a true normal way that where we are right now as we were before. And Yeshua says in Matthew 24, he says, take heed that no one deceives you, right? Take heed that no one deceives you. Right? Deception is at an all-time high. Just turn on the news. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. The prosperity gospel goes out throughout everywhere, right? Just, uh, you, you know, you're going to be raptured away from all this. That's why the gospel never gets preached, because everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to escape all these things, so I don't have to do anything. 
Well, that's not the way the scriptures read it. He says, I, he says, many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah and will deceive many and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And there will be famines, pestilences, plagues, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Alright? Now I'm not trying to give you a downer message here. I'm just telling you how it is right now. But there's hope. I mean, we know how it's going to work out, but we got to go through these birth pangs. Every woman in here who's had a child knows what it means to go through birth. It's not real pleasant at the time, is it? But afterwards, you have the joy of a new life and a new God being, son or daughter, brought into the world. Well, so it is right now that we're going through. We're going through these birth pangs, entering into the birth of the kingdom of God. Yeshua continues in, in Matthew 24, 9. He says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for who? For his name's sake. And then, what's it say? Many will be offended. Maybe some of you are offended right now from just me getting started here. Many will be offended. And they will betray one another. And they will hate one another. And I'll tell you, I see that right now. It's just this little COVID thing going on that many have been offended. Some want to wear a mask. Some don't want to wear a mask. Some judge if you wear a mask. Some judge if you don't wear a mask. It's like, okay, fine. But many will be offended. They will betray one another and they will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because what? Because lawlessness. I classify that as Torahlessness. Because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold. Do we see that today? Do we see that in the world today? We see senseless killings for nothing. We see babies killed in their strollers. We see people beat up, knocked out on the street. We see all this senseless lawlessness going on in our society today. But then what does he say in Matthew twenty four thirteen? He says, But he... Who endures to the end shall be saved. And that's the message for us today. That we need to endure, brothers and sisters, until the end. And then he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as what? A witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Has the gospel been preached to every nation? We're getting close, though, right? North Korea, maybe. we got the South Korean. We've got a lot of Christians in the South Korea. I'm sure some of that message gets beamed over in the North Korea. We have 100 million people underground in China that are Christians. We're very, very close. And with the Internet, there's no reason the gospel cannot be preached around the whole world as a witness. But I think we still have a little ways to go. But then he, what does Yeshua say? He says, then there will be great tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And he says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. For our sake, thank God, those days will be shortened. You know, man already has the weaponry to destroy 
humankind many, many, many times over. It's just a matter of time until someone gets in power that wants to unleash it upon us. And what does Yeshua say in Luke 12? He says, I have come to set fire to the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. Do you think that I came to bring peace in the land? Not peace, I tell you, but division. For from now on, a household of five will be divided three against two, two against three. So Yeshua wants this to end. He's ready. He's waiting for the Father to say, go. Go claim your bride. Go put an end to this nonsense that's in the world right now. But what does the Father say? The Father say, no, wait. I like this person. This person's got a chance. This this woman, I could use her in the kingdom. Work with her. Work with him. And the Father is patiently calling people and waiting for us to come in to the family and to adhere to his commands and his laws and to love him with all our heart and our mind. He's waiting patiently for all those who he's calling throughout the four corners of the earth to accept his son, Yeshua. Well, Yeshua is ready to come. He is ready. When the Lord, when the Father says go, he's ready to go. And we're going to see as we get to the end here how that's going to play out. So in Luke 12, continuing, Yeshua says in verse 54 and 56, he says, he said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow like it is right now, and we're up to a, what, 103, 105 temperature here in Dallas from the hurricane, all that south wind is blown up, you say there will be hot weather, and there it is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Brethren, are we discerning the time that we are in right now? Or are we just going about our normal, everyday life? During this season of Teshuvah leading up to Yom Teruah, the day of the Lord, in Yom Kippur, when the door is shut, And then into the marriage supper pictured by Sukkot. Are we, are we concerning, discerning these times that we were in, that we are in right now? And then what does Yeshua say in Matthew 24? I like using Yeshua's words because he just tells it like it is, right? I don't have to explain it to him. I don't have to translate it for him. I don't, I'm just here giving you the commentary. But in Matthew 24, what does Yeshua say? He says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days that have yet to come yet, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. God is coming again to shake heaven and earth and to shake us out of our slumber so that we will submit to him and commit to him our whole lives. And then it says, the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power 
in great glory. Kind of defeats the, the rapture that we're going to be up there waiting. He's coming here. And he will send his angels with a great sound of what? A trumpet, a shofar, that last trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from where? The four winds from one end of heaven or earth to the other. And we know the scripture. When he comes, the dead will rise and those who are left will rise up and be glorified with him. So that's the prelude to today's teaching. So how did we get here? Brethren, how did we get here? Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 14. He says, I'll wait for our slide guy here. Isaiah 14, next slide there. There you go. What does Isaiah tell us in chapter 14, verses 12 to 15? He says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's his goal. That's his plan. That's what he wants. And he wants all of us to bow down and worship him. And he says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Amen, Amen, brother. And Ezekiel 28 gives us the the, uh, comparison. He says, you were the anointed cherim who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your training, trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. So God threw him out of heaven. And Yeshua says this in Luke. Notice in Luke chapter 10. And this is a very important passage. I've been sharing this with everyone so that we have an idea of what we've been given here on earth. In Luke 10, verses 18 to 20, Yeshua says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then what does he say? What does Yeshua tell us, believers? He says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen? Do you believe that? You're awful quiet out there. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to us, to you, but rather... Rejoice because your names are written in heaven, in that book of life. 
You know, each one of you that are here today, God saw something in each of you. And he called you. And he revealed his son to you and his word. And he wooed you like a husband woos his wife, right? And I know, Bruce, you, right? You're, you're an expert at that. Wooing, the wooing, right? <laughs> so, anyhow, God the Father woos us to him, and he reveals everything to us. But what did Yeshua say? He said, many are called, but few are chosen. So we all have this opportunity, but we're not there yet. Our books are are written. I mean, our names are written in the book of life, but they can also be blotted out and taken out. He's testing each and every one of us. Are we going to commit our lives to him or not? This world is passing away and all the things in it. But the word of God is going to be eternal. And if we endure to the end, we also will live with him for all eternity. So the things that are in this world now have nothing to compare to what's going to be revealed in us later. That the plan that he has for each and every one of us. He has a job for each and every one of us in the kingdom. And it's up to us to endure to the end and to trust in him through thick and thin, through life and death, through all the trials and tribulations that we go through whether we are going to submit and commit and endure until he returns. In John 17, Yeshua prays this prayer for us. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they, we are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world What does he pray? That you, the Father, should keep them, keep us from the evil one. That's why we can walk in faith, knowing that God has our back. God is with us. He's all around us. And we can walk in that authority to trample serpents and scorpions and not be afraid of the plagues of this world. What did David say? A thousand will fall by your left, a thousand by your right, but nothing will come upon you. The thing is, do you believe that? Do you believe in God? You know, that's a personal question, right? Do you truly have a personal relationship with the Father and with Yeshua? We need to. This is the season to evaluate where we stand with God right now. Okay? No one can be the intermediator between you and the Father and Yeshua. Yeshua is our mediator. He's our Savior. But we can go directly to Him and to the Father and make our requests known to Him. He wants to dwell within us. He wants to have a personal relationship with us. You know, I really appreciate Elisa's video today because Eldon and I were just down in Fort Davis Nine-hour drive here out in the middle of nowhere a couple of weeks ago. And that's how we've been escaping this COVID stuff because it just drives you crazy. We turned off all the news. And if I, could, if I didn't have work to do, I'd throw my phone in the, in the sea somewhere. And I would, just, just, I would just disconnect from everything in this world. 
But Elda and I, we get out as much as we can. You know, there's 42 state parks in Texas. Go out and enjoy one of them. We have 60 national parks. Try to get out. Get outside. Stop being inside. Go out where God is. If you want to be close to God, I tell people, get close to God's creation. We were out of Fort Davis. We're up 5,000 feet. I'll tell you what, it's the nicest place in Texas. You would never even know you were in Texas. And we, we camped out one night. We stayed in the Indian Lodge two nights. We saw deer. We saw little baby fawns. They were like from me to Bruce. I mean, they were, we were taking pictures of them. They were so close. We saw turkeys. Uh, we, we saw lots of wildlife. We hiked the mountains. The air was hot. It was dry. I felt really good. My hip didn't bother me. And I uh, was able to hike these mountains. I think we got up to like 60. I think that one mountain we hiked was like 6,200 feet. But they have some 8,000 foot peaks there. But get outside. Enjoy it. Enjoy life. Enjoy God's creation. In First John, John tells us, he says, who is, who is of the world? He goes, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commands. He who says I know him and does not keep his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. And he continues in First John 2, he says, Do not love the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And what are the things that are in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three things we need to battle in our lives each and every day. These are not of the Father, but they are of the world. The world is, you know, you got all these glitter and lights and all this nice stuff like candy, right, to a child. And wants to get you involved in all these things, you know, especially the cities. Satan broadcasts the life that he wants for us in the movies and the music, on TV, on the shows. All around us, he tells us the life that he wants for us. But then he gives us little candy. Oh, come. Come, commit adultery with this woman. Oh, go online and hook up here or go take some drugs and make you feel good. You know, he wants to, he lures you with all this candy. And then once he hooks you, then the penalty sets in. Then you become addicted to drugs. Then your marriages break up. Then you have all kinds of problems. Or if you're into gambling or other things, then all of a sudden you have economic problems. He allures us with candy, and then you have to pay him with your soul and with your life. And hopefully you can get out of it and come back like the prodigal son coming back to the father. You know, he said, give me all your money. Give me all my money, father. I'm going to go out. And then he ended up eating slop with the pigs. And then he came back. He came to his senses, and he came back. Well, that's what he's doing with some of us. We go out sometimes as young people. We go out, we want to sow our wild oats, they say, right? They want to, Kids don't want to listen to their parents, so they want to go out and do their own thing, experience the world. And then when the world chews them up 
and beats on them and spits them out, then they come crawling back and they've learned their lesson, right? Some of us were like that, right? We came in, we came into the, uh, to become a believer. We got beat up a lot of times. I've lost, I've, I mean, I, I've lost my wife. I lost all my kids. I've claimed bankruptcy. I, I've lost everything. I was down as far as you, I was eating slop with the pigs. But you know, I never lost my faith and God restored everything that I have double that I have, that I lost. And he will do the same for you and to anyone who uh, repents and comes back to him. So now let's get into the end times here a little bit. So in Revelation 11, right, we have the day of trumpets coming up. Yom Teruah is coming up here in like three weeks from today, right? That's the day of the Lord, right? Do a scripture search, look at the day of the Lord, and you'll find all the scriptures talking about the day that is going to come when Yeshua returns. But at the same time, you know, we, we, we talk about the mark of the beast and the beast power and all that. But not too many people talk about the two witnesses. And I don't have time to go into all of the things, but I encourage you, read through the book of Revelation. Don't be afraid of it. Read it. There's a lot of good stuff in there, and it's going to tell you the plan of God. It ties in with Leviticus 23, that has all the holy days. The plan of God for humanity is summed up in the holy days of God. Okay? In, the, in, the, in you know, Passover and Shavuot have already been done, and now we're waiting for the day of the Lord. We're, we're waiting for uh, the day of atonement, and we're waiting for Satan to be bound, and we're waiting for the marriage supper. And I don't know, is that time coming soon? It could be. It, it, things are starting to line up. You know, Israel just passed the, the peace deal with the UAE. They moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Things are starting to pick up. And I wouldn't be surprised if Saudi Arabia and Yemen and Somalia and some of these other Arab nations sign a peace deal with Israel very soon. And the Temple Mount Institute says, hey, we can have the temple up in 18 months. So... That's the, you know, that, that's, to me, that's the countdown. It's like when that temple goes up, you got, we better, we better be ready because the time, things are going to pick up real fast. You saw how fast they shut down the world with this COVID stuff. Well, think about it. Things can move very, very quickly and we need to be prepared. So the two witnesses are going to be upon the earth at the same time that the beast power is upon the earth. And the two witnesses, you know, they're going to be doing miracles. And they're going to be proclaiming the gospel. And then in Revelation 11:15, after a time period goes, in the sixth trumpets, we have the seventh trumpet. And I wish I could go through this whole time sequence with you, but I'm just giving you the highlights. But the seventh angel will sound, and the loud voices in heaven will say, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. Do you believe that day is coming? It's coming. I'm telling you, that's in the book. The book tells us, God tells us the beginning from the end. It's coming. This time is coming. But before it comes, we have a lot of things to go through. And in Revelation 12, it says, and war will break out in heaven. Okay, so during this period of time, or this tribulation time, there's going to be war in heaven and the angels and Michael, they're going to fight against the dragon and his angels, but they will not prevail. 
And so Satan will be cast out who deceives the whole world and his angels will be cast out with him. And in Revelation twelve seventeen it says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Yeshua. And then we read about the beast that's going to come from the sea. I'm just going to give you the highlights here. That he speaks these blasphemy things against God. And it was granted to make war with the saints and overcome them. So we don't know. You know, the scriptures, we got three camps we're going to fall into. One, we're either going to go into a place of safety and part of the 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe. Or we're going to have to go through some of the tribulation and we may be martyred. And if we are, it doesn't matter what scenario happens, as long as we endure to the end, we will be part of that first resurrection. So do not fear. Prepare, both spiritually and physically, but don't fear, because God will bring us through. He will bring us through. And then it talks about the beast from the land, And he saw another beast that's going to rise up and he's going to give authority to the first beast in Revelation 13. And he says all of those who are going to, uh, um, he's going to force us to worship this beast power. So what's the scenario right now? I mean, if we just look at COVID right now, they want us to wear the mask. Can't do anything without the mask. Can't go anywhere. And now they're working on this vaccine, right? So what would happen if the uh, and the WHO or NHI or whoever's in charge, they come up with this vaccine and they say, you can't go to work unless you have a vaccine. You can't teach school unless you have a vaccine. You can't buy or sell. You can't go in this store unless you have the vaccine. And they'll have some way to, to, to check whether you actually have been vaccinated or not. Can that scenario happen really quick? I think so. I think that could happen very, very quickly if we're not careful. And in Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17, it talks about the mark of the beast, right? And if you remember, uh, Jeffrey Cohen was here a few, like last month. And what did he say? Do not take the mark of the beast. Whatever you do, do not take this mark. And he says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. All right, so it affects everybody, just like this COVID thing has affected everybody, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And this is going to be a time of great testing for us. And we need to be prepared both spiritually and somewhat physically to be able to prepare for the time that is about to try the whole earth. Our prayer should also be that pray that the Lord will protect us from that, right? Because he does say that he will protect us from the hour that will try the earth. And so I pray for each of us here that that will happen, that he will protect us, that we don't have to go through the, and be refined. The only reason you're going to have to go through the tribulation is because God loves you so much 
He's going to have to refine us to go through the fire so that we can come out on the other side. And if that means going through some hard times to save our souls, so be it. God will loves us so much that he would allow that to happen. And then in Revelation 19, we get to the good news now. All right, we're getting to the good part. He says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife, us, has made herself Ready. Amen. And then in Revelation 19 verses 11, he says, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He's not coming as the little innocent lamb this time. He's coming with his sword out. And he's going to do business. And he's going to judge. And he's going to make war. And his eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Where did that blood come from? Go read Isaiah 63. You'll find out where that came from. And his name is called the Word of God. And in verses 15 and 16, he goes out of his mouth, goes a sharp sword that with it, what's he going to do? He's going to strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And I tell you what, you don't want to be in the pathway of the wrath of the Almighty God. We just saw a little taste of it a few days ago, right? With a Cat 4 hurricane come up on our... Do you see all that destruction? That's just a little smidgen of God's power. So he's going to come with the wrath of the Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of King, Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. We're waiting for that day. And in verses 17 to 18, he says... I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and the armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did these signs and the wonders, and who deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. And these two were cast alive into the lake of burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. There's a big dinner, a big bird dinner. We don't want to be bird fodder, okay? We want to be on the right side of Yeshua. We do not want to be part of this world anymore. 
It's time to stop playing games. It's time to take this calling seriously. Because we do not want to be amongst those who are going to be destroyed and become bird food and to be cast into the pit. And in Revelation 20, what does he say? He says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. And a great chain in his hand, he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. And that's another holy day after that. And he'll be released. And uh, that's another teaching. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And now the good news. In Revelation 20, verse 4, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay? Can you imagine that? Everything that you see in evil and sin has been now removed from this world. Satan is cast into the pit. He can't deceive the nations anymore. All those who were working works of evil have become bird food. And now it's us with him, with the Lamb, with the King of Kings, the Lamb of God. And he says in Revelation 20 verse 4, I saw thrones and they who sat on him and judgment was committed to them. And he says he saw all the souls that were beheaded and all those who have lived and died who did not worship the beast or his image and not received his mark. And they lived and reigned with Messiah for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years are up. The great right throne judgment. He says this is the first resurrection. This is the resurrection that we want to be in, brethren. He says, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and a Messiah and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, do you believe that, brethren? Do you believe that those days are going to transpire possibly in our lifetime? And if not, we still have to be ready because we still want to be written in that book. Do you believe that Yeshua is coming back to set up his kingdom and that he is going to claim his bride? You have to know that in here. You have to know it. That You know that you know it, that you know it. And then what happens? Let's look. What is life going to be like in the kingdom? We can't even really begin to imagine what life is going to be like. But I can give you the highlights. Torah that's in this scroll will be the constitution of the kingdom of God. Now, the last few parashah portions in Deuteronomy, what have we been reading? The laws of God. How to take care of this problem, that problem, this problem, this, that. If this comes up, this is how you take care of it. That is how... Life is going to be based on. That is going to be the constitution of the kingdom of God. And it says the saints will rule as priests, teaching the nations the Torah. Because after the tribulation, there's still going to be some humans who survive, who come through. I think I gave a teaching on that last year about the kingdom of God and what makes up the parts of the kingdom. And part of that is citizens of the kingdom. And we will be of the administrative 
um, order of, of the kingdom of God. Ruling under Yeshua. And we're going to go and we're going to teach the nations. We're going to rebuild the waste places. And we're going to teach the nations of those who have survived what the Torah is all about and how to live and how to unlearn the things that they had learned previously. There's going to be no more wars, right? They're going to be beating their uh, plowshares or their, their spears and the plowshares. The waste places will be rebuilt. We will be part of that. Societies will be designed and maintained in a godly order. Okay? You're not going to have any more slums. You're not going to have people down in the street shooting up. You're not going to be, you're going to be able to feel safe to go to South Dallas. You know, you're not going to have all the issues that we have today. Sin, if it does arise, just as we saw in our Torah portions these last few weeks, will be dealt with swiftly. And love, joy, and peace will permeate throughout the whole earth. That is what we're waiting for, right? A restoration like the Garden of Eden before sin, before the fall of man, before the flood. That's what we're waiting for. Yeshua is going to restore all things as it should have been. We read about this in Isaiah 61, in verses 4 through 7. It says, And they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the former former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. But you, we, shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you, what? The servants of our God. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, there shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. And he continues in Isaiah 65. He says, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing in her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. In Isaiah 65, he says, No more shall an infant live but a few days. Abortion will be wiped out. Nor an old man who has not fulfilled his day. For a child will die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be a curse. And he says, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. And then he says, For as the days of a tree, some trees can become very, very old, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the works of their hands. You know, I would say probably most of us here probably don't enjoy the works of our hands right now, right? We're not doing what we planned and when we were little to be, to become. But in the kingdom of God, God knows you inside and out. And he knows what gifts you have. He knows what talents you have. He knows what you like. And he knows what you're good at, and he's going to put that to use. 
And you are going to thrive in the kingdom of God, doing the things that you enjoy doing. And you're going to long enjoy the works of your hands. And we will not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And he says in Isaiah 65, verses 24 and 25, he says, I, or it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, right? How many times have we called upon God and we're waiting? It's like, Lord, give me an answer. What do I do? Do I go here or do I go there? Can you just send a brick with a note on it through my window? Just send me something. Send me a sign. And what does he say? He says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. And then what does he say? This is fascinating. Kids, you should love this. I know I do. I've always clung on to these as I was growing up. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. So I asked the Lord long, long time ago growing up. And in the kingdom of God, I want a nice lion with a big mane that when I get sleepy and I want to take a little siesta, I can just lay on my lion and he can purr and I don't have to worry about him eating me. <laughs> All right, we're, we're almost done. I just got a couple more slides, but these are important. Preparations. Let's look at preparations. How do we prepare, brethren, for this time? All right, I know I've gone through a lot of scriptures and a lot of slides, but I just, I, I, I want to get you excited about what's happening. I don't want you to be fearful of where we are right now. I want you to trust in God because he's going to see us through it to the end. So how do we prepare? How do we prepare as the children of God for the times that are upon, that are going to come and test the whole earth and test us? I, I had these three highlights, just to keep it simple. We need to be filling our lamps with oil, right? And you can read about that in the gospel, about the ten virgins, the five had, didn't have enough oil. Why didn't they have enough oil? We need to be filling our lamps with oil. And the best way that we can do that is by reading the Word every day. Reading this book, if you have a devotional, a daily devotional on your phone app or something like that, or a book, somehow get yourself to eat this word every day because the Lord will give you something each and every day. And we need to be proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. How do we do that? We don't need big radio programs, TV shows. We don't need mega churches. All we need is to ask God to bring one or two people into our lives that we can disciple, that we can share the message of the gospel with. And then those two people will bring one or two more people. And the next thing you know, we have tens of thousands of people learning about the gospel. It's the power of discipleship. The power of discipleship is so powerful. And you don't need a lot. You just need a few. Yeshua changed the whole world with 12 disciples, right? He changed the whole world. And then number three, we need to be 
encouraging one another. And how do we do that? By keeping in touch with one another. If the Lord puts somebody on your mind, that means he wants you to contact them. So give them a call, give them an email, send them a text, encourage one another. All of us are going through different things in our lives. All of us are being challenged in different ways. All of us have issues that we're dealing with right now. And sometimes we need a, uh, an encouraging word. I know when I went through some tough times, the Lord brought someone into my life who stuck with me thick and thin through those trials. And he was like my Barnabas. He was my encourager. And he got me through. Each of us, hopefully, we can be that to somebody else. And someone else can be that to us. Right? Because we all need encouragement, but we can also give encouragement to others. Right? So, in Revelation 21, verses 7 and 8, he says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And then he gives us this warning. He says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So I encourage each of you, do not be cowardly. Do not be unbelieving. And the rest of the list here, believe in God. Read the promises that God has given us through Yeshua. Hang on to them through thick and thin when things are going tough. Hang on to those promises. Encourage one another. Fill your vessels with oil and continue to love and to serve and to be a blessing to one another. In Second Peter, Peter gives us this word. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Didn't the COVID come like a thief? We wasn't expecting that. I was out in San Diego doing work when all of this hit. And it's like all of a sudden, Elder was in the Philippines. She had just got back and they shut down the, the airport. Happened so quickly. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The chaff will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. And I think I'll finish up with this next slide, this next message from Isaiah. In Isaiah 33, he says, Now I will rise, says the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will lift myself up. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire. He or who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Who? 
He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. You know, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the fiery furnace, what did they say? He goes, the Lord is able to save us, but if he doesn't, so be it, we'll be burned up, but we know that we will be with the Lord, but we will not submit, we will not bow down to your image. And so they were cast into the fire, and not a hair on their head was singed. Why? Because they were righteous before God. The only way that we can endure the fire that is about to come upon the earth is if we are righteous before him. He says, who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? God is a devouring fire. And he says, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. So let us be those righteous children of God, the sons and daughters. Let us teach it to our children. They're looking to us. You know, our children, they don't know what's going on. You know, they need us to show that we're brave, that we have faith. Otherwise, they will stumble and fall also. We need to be walking up righteously, uprightly before God and being those sons and daughters of the Most High. So encourage one another, fill your vials with oil, and preach this word wherever you can. Do not be fearful to spread the word of God. So, Father, I just give you, or the music team can come up. Uh, Eternal Father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, creator of heaven and earth, who walks in you are a devouring fire, Father. So we ask, Father, that you would just allow us to uh, draw closer to you, that we take this season of Teshuvah uh, seriously, that your blessings will be upon us, that you would guide us and direct us, that as we walk out of here, your spirit will be with us as we leave, and that the things that were spoken here today can be shared with others. So ignite us, Father, with the fire of your love, the fire of your word, and let us not be fearful or unbelieving in anything, but let us trust in you in all things, knowing that you love us, you care for us, you are molding and shaping us, you are testing us, but we know, Father, it is our purpose and desire that we pass those tests and that we will dwell where you dwell, that we will be where you are, that we will abide in you, and that you will abide in us, and that we will be there with you as sons and daughters of the Most High, that we will be the bride of Messiah, and that we will be with him wherever he goes, and be and doing whatever he wants us to do. So we thank you, we bless you, we ask your presence here and your dismissal. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.